Now, if you feel like you can never get on top of your back of house ops, you'll want to hear about our sponsor for this season, Loaded. Loaded's hospitality management software has changed the game for hospitality performance in New Zealand, and they've just arrived in Australia to help you do the same. Their everything-in-one-place platform helps you master your reporting inventory, simplify your recipe and menu management, reduce your cogs, and become an epic central hub that immediately puts you in control. I've seen Loaded's impact firsthand, and if you're running a bar, pub, restaurant or cafe, you need to reach out to their team. Check them out at loadedhub.com. Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning in. Principle of Hospitality has been developed to tell the stories of professionals within the dynamic world of hospitality. We're straight-talking, ethically-minded, and a reliable online source of information and inspiration for people in the hospitality industry. Now, let's get into today's show. Today, we have the privilege of speaking with talented chef, Carolyn Helmy, who brings her French culinary expertise and new Caledonian heritage to the star Gold Coast. As the mastermind behind the culinary offerings of this luxury hotel, Carolyn's passion for creating exquisite menus and dishes has made her a standout figure in our industry. So let's dive into this podcast today and learn more. Hey, Carolyn, how are you? I'm excellent, Sean. How are you? I'm fantastic. Um, So as we said in the start, um, you've obviously come from a really, really... Uh, long career in the industry now, uh, but let's let's start out with how you got into the hospitality industry and and how you got to the point you are now. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on today. I'm super excited. Um, so I had a little bit of a different start to my culinary journey. I would say um, I started off. I went to um, Bond University, and I thought I wanted to follow the corporate side of things, um, for say. I went and did my bachelor's and master's in corporate communication and worked in that field for probably about three years um, when I moved to the States after um, I graduated. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just before I sort of settled down in the States and kind of like set some roots, I was like, well, let me just try one more thing. You know, when you have like that incl- that itch or something that you're like, mm, I'm not sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I still, I was like, okay, I'm going to just go back to Australia because obviously I had been here before and lived and I really liked the lifestyle and it kind of resonated with me. So I was like, okay, let me just go back and try something. And then <laughs> that's where I started uh, my apprenticeship and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then it just um, grew from there. I worked with really passionate chefs very early on. And I was like, okay, this is something that I can build a life out of and have great opportunities and experiences from. So that's how I kind of fell into it. Amazing. (laughs) And then obviously, you know, you're at the Star and the Gold Coast. um, How did that sort of come about? Like how long have you been there for? What do you enjoy about a role like that? 
Um, yeah, so I joined, the, I joined the Star Group, I feel like almost five and a half years now, going on six, I believe. Uh, so time flies, <laughs> definitely. <clears throat> um, I started working uh, prior to the Star. I was always in sort of uh, modern fine dining. So that was, I realized early on that that was sort of my niche and what I really enjoyed. Um, I had done obviously the casual bits and the volumes and the modern dining bistro was sort of something that I really uh, realized that I loved super quickly. Mm. Um, so I had done a lot of fine dining on the coast and um, worked with some great chefs. And then one of my old chefs actually um, said, why don't you look at to the star? At the time, they were looking for a sous chef for their Japanese, the Kiyomi restaurant. Mm. And I don't have Japanese skills or background <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay, this should be interesting. So I went for an interview. I, was a, I started off as a pastry chef. So um, my core was pastries and doing all of that aspect. So I applied and um, I had an interview, I was like, just so you know, I have no knowledge of Japanese food or, you know, definitely no sushi skills anywhere in my repertoire. But um, they were like, no, that's fine. We'll, you know, we'll teach you everything and train you from there. So I was like, okay. Said I know everything else about food, but Japanese is definitely not um, something I knew at the time. <laughs> but I got the job and it was a great experience um, to work with that team and definitely challenging. <laughs> um, definitely. How was how it like coming in as a pastry chef and then, and then learning those kind of skills? Like I imagine that would have been probably really overwhelming at the start or did you find it to be easier than kind of what you expected? Um, so I had been doing... Um, pastry and savory so I had when I did my apprenticeship I kind of highlighted the pastry side and then I worked in restaurants where I did um, the pastry menu and then I was like okay I need to diversify to have more skills because I realized a lot of the chefs were great at the pastry area they're always like either savory or super great in one particular aspect but pastry was always not something that was common in a lot of chefs at the time so <clears throat> that's why I figured I'll kind of box that off and then do savory. So when I went in, um, I it was definitely challenging. Obviously, the culture was quite different. Um, our team was mostly Japanese chefs at the time. Um, so that was a lot of learning on the spot on how to manage them. Coming in as a sous chef for that um, team was <laughs> interesting. Um, and at the time, there was a lot of, like, the whole sushi world and skill was something totally new to me. So there was a lot of learning on hands, definitely, and understanding how the concept and how preparation is really a main focus and the fish and the whole, from start to finish, the experience um, they were trying to create was definitely um, a learning curve for me but mm. it was great I mean I learned heaps and I worked with all these different Japanese ingredients and I think um, Japanese and French culture have always been kind of like a good match or have been a great combination because 
Japanese food and culture is really like methodical, um, clean process, and they're quite structured in their way, whereas the French usually are very um, flavor profile focused. And then they're a little bit more colorful than the Japanese, I would say, <laughs> in their behavior and um, um, culture. But I think it's a really great pairing. Um, and I learned a lot from there and kind of building blocks from that experience for sure. But I, ma- I imagine coming as a pastry chef and I, and I come into this as a, you know, um, a baker, like, and the reason I didn't become mm-hmm. a pastry chef is because um, I think I just don't have enough patience in regards with pastry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I probably like a bit more flexibility that baking kind of has um, and allows you to be about, allows you to be a tiny bit more flexible, but like thinking about Japanese cuisine and then pastry, like there's, there's, are there a lot of similarities there? Do you think like you picked a really good cuisine to actually go into, um, uh, pretty early on and, and really hone your craft there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, in my mind it made sense because, being a pastry chef, it's true, you have to follow the recipe or you have to be really precise. Um, you can't sort of fly off the radar. And I mean, you can, but it's just the results are a little bit more <laughs> um, variable from there. Um, so I think having that in, ingrained in me of like it's a process driven, it's methodical, um, there's like steps that you have to follow and then the Japanese way of working is very much like that as well so I think it made it easier for me to understand and adapt mm. um, in that environment for sure Now we obviously met um, a couple of months ago at Umi Nguyen's uh, amazing seafood showcase in Brisbane um, Yes, how did you... that was amazing what a good turnout it was, an, it was an awesome turnout. It was an awesome day. And obviously we recorded the podcast with Uma on that day, which is even better. Um, how, how did you come about being connected with her and the great work that sort of she's doing around seafood? Um, so it was actually through um, some food events <laughs> um, that I was going to and attending and just sort of these like trade shows or like um, these networking industry things that I started going to and I've connected with Umar and I was really first I was really curious on what she was at what her actually what she was doing and how she was working in the industry Mm. and then once I um, got some one-on-one time with her and realized I was like oh my god this is amazing like the connection and the work that Umar is doing is definitely a game changer in the industry and it resonated with me because I was like, this is definitely going to help in the future in the long run. And I think it's really important work that's being done and everyone should definitely be considerate of that. So yeah, just through networking. (laughs) (laughs) And it's about, you know, I think a lot of, um, a lot of the activities, it's about giving back to the community and not necessarily, seeing like this not going somewhere because you think you're gonna like ha- having immediate result it's more about like the people you meet the apprentices the young chefs and just how you connect on different levels so is it is it hard because obviously you've had um such great career to this point i imagine a lot of brands a lot of people 
reach out to someone like yourself doing amazing work? Is it hard to pick what kind of collaborations and what kind of things to be uh, passionate about or what to, you know, what to speak about, who to be connected with, or do you find that pretty organic now in your career? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. I think it's um, like it's sort of easy because I know um, sort of what I want to do and I know who I want to be associated and where I want to donate my time. So I think it's um, made sense. Like I've done a lot of um, work with Umar and a lot of the trade shows and seafood activities. And I mean, I get just as much out of those as the guests that come in and learn about the product. So I'm like, this is great. Um, <clears throat> and I think in our industry, if you're not getting, if you're not giving back and getting something that's personally rewarding to you, then it's probably the wrong industry. Um, so <laughs> totally agree I mean <laughs> so yeah I love to do um, work with like chefs that I would never work with or even do events or collab dinners I think it's a great way to connect with them and a great way to see their skill hands on and how we can all work um, towards the one experience of that dinner or um, the event together so I love that other than that particular event, like what what's one of the favorite events you've sort of done over the last twelve months, if you can recall? Um, over the last twelve months, what have we done? Uh, we've done a really fun um, event with um, the Aura King family. We've done one. It was also so we've done it with Grant from Aura King and Umar, of course, and we went up to Nusa. Um, where Ryan is, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and his new venue, Lanai. So him, Jake, Nicholson, and I, we went and we showcased a lot of amazing producers, a lot of great seafood to the Noosa um, chefs, and that was really great because it's sort of like a really popular area, but maybe not, it doesn't get as much... Um, like community get together is maybe the Gold Coast or Brisbane or senior Melbourne. So it was really fun to meet um, all the producers. It was a great array of products that were there and seeing all the chefs from the area was really um, interesting. So, yeah, that was a really fun one that we've done. Um, what else I have? Yeah, we're doing something with the Aura King family as well um, next weekend. Um, all the ambassadors are going to see the uh, farm in Nelson, and then we're doing a little um, team activity in Oakland with all the ambassadors of Australia, so that'll be super fun. Everyone flying over. We have um, a day of activity, and then we get to learn more about the farm and sort of exactly get more understanding of what an amazing product they are. So that should be very exciting. <laughs> yeah. I've always, um, I'm starting to get quite jealous now as I talk to more amazing chefs like yourself, um, Carolyn, about all these offsites that you guys get to do with these farms you get to visit and stuff like that. <laughs> like how, how, how important is that now for you? Like what do you get out of that? And doing those days and doing those trips, even for a day or a couple of days with with different producers and suppliers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really crucial. Um, we've done one. Um, I went to a recent one at with the team at Infinity Blue Barramundi in Cairns um, in the inland. They have 
one of their plants there. Um, so we just went, and it's really actually mind-blowing for us to see how, get an understanding of the farm, how and where, how it gets done, um, because we see the end product, so we don't always understand, like, the farm, where is it, how do you get there, how does the fish move, how does it grow, what does it get fed, um, it really gives us more a better understanding and we're so proud to be serving that product afterwards because we have more respect for it. You know, like the whole process <laughs> and all the dedication and the passion of the team that's behind it really. Because when you see, you know, that someone's been doing it for 20 years and how it's really ingrained in them, it's not just a job, it's a passion because I think a lot of it in our industry, a lot of the people you meet, they do this because they love it. Like, they don't do this for a paycheck because usually at the end of the day, it's the passion takes over and the love. And you just see that in, one, the product and how you create your dishes and how it comes out. So it's really amazing. Like, I've, I think it's a great resource that all chefs must understand where their food's coming from, how it's getting grown, the challenges that the farmer has. And, yeah, it's, I think it's crucial to be a better chef and understanding the whole sustainable and making sure you're understanding what you're using and where it's coming from. Absolutely. And like, what is, what does sustainable seafood sort of mean for you? Obviously, you know, with Uma's, Uma's knowledge and that kind of stuff uh, and doing Mm -hmm. that particular, that particular event together, like what, what do you see is making seafood actually sustainable now? Um, a great question. So I think it's really important because I feel like sustainability is obviously in everyone's um, front forward mind and it's in discussions, but actually when what is like a chef doing in their day to day to follow that process, because you can say you're using sustainable, but then it sometimes you may be using something that's actually not at all sustainable or that's not good for the environment, whether it's like styrofoam boxes or whatnot. Um, So I think me as a chef, I try and understand one where my product is coming from and how it got here and understanding the journey that it's been on. And also how can I make sure that in the long run I'm following my like what I feel is right. Obviously you can't always do the right thing in our industry. And when you work for big groups and whatnot, like it, you can be faced with some challenges, but I think if everyone can understand and do the best they can at being as sustainable and thinking about the future and making sure you're not just using something because it's popular or it's also, I think about educating your guest on using a fish that they've never used of before or never heard of. And if you know where that product has come from and you can explain to your customer, then they'll be willing to try it and they don't necessarily have to go for the popular items that they're more familiar with. Um, so I think I've used through the channels like a lot of different seafood that I have never even heard of, like you know, razorback prawns, honey bugs, like all these things. I was like, what? Where are these from? Like, what is it? And so it was like me learning about them, like tasting them and then understanding, okay, I I can see where what I can do with this. I can, you know, develop dishes. And it's about 
showcasing the ingredient and not trying to like hide it and um, yeah, and just explain explaining it to the guests. So I think I have a really good platform at the start because of my clientele and the opportunity that I have is I have a great one-on-one relationships with my client base and my customers. So um, they now, you know, there is a trust relationship with if I'm doing something different or, you know, using something that they've never heard of in the seafood, they'd be like, okay, that's fine. Like we we know that you're going to create some amazing dishes. So we'll taste it and go from there. So that's been a really like amazing aspect of my day-to-day job that I love. (laughs) Awesome. Um, Yeah. I was going to ask you that, like in regards with like the flexibility in such a a prominent group like star and obviously having their, their different venues at uh, in the Gold Coast as well. But like, um, so it's good to see that you've got a heap of flexibility, especially that top end. But I was really mm-hmm. gonna, I was really gonna ask you, like, um, how long does it take you to actually create a new dish? Is it is it usually a a bandwidth of time that it takes you to create a new dish, whether that be an entree, a main, or 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 whatnot, or is it is it very relative to how how that ingredient is? Um, no, I think for me, it's usually li- like. What I like to do is I like to see what's in season, of course, um, and what's on the market and having a great relationship, whether it's my fruit and veg um, team or, you know, the seafood wholesalers or whatnot, and just seeing what really is the best time to eat something. Um, And once I get that product in my hands, I can, I'm pretty creative, so I usually just go in and kind of whip up something that's in the fridge so I don't think it's like um I try and not overcomplicate things and make sure the ingredient that I'm working with is showcased to the best that I can um I don't think drowning it in sauces or overworking the item is really the way to go I mean I think if you have something amazing that's in season, that's eating really well, that's fresh, that was fresh and caught, you know, um, a few days ago, I think it's really kind of easy to go from there and just do as little as you can or just working with um, the best flavor profile you can to showcase it. Do you think that's... So, yeah. Sorry. Did you want to finish that off or that's okay? Um, no, so I think sometimes it's obviously when you're doing a menu, it's a little bit more time consuming because you have to think of the flow and how it's going to be, you know, how it's going to run in three months. And, but I think I have a lot of, um, specials that I do. So I think that's kind of like my freedom, but I have my menu that's a little bit more structured and less flying off the handle. (laughs) (laughs) Is it? Is it hard to um, is it hard to sort of have restraint? I suppose when you're doing a menu and when you're thinking about different ingredients and and different ways that you want to cook things or evolve a certain dish, or do you find that you've had that experience as, as obviously in the Japanese cuisine and that kind of stuff as well that 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 has also added to the element of restraint and the training that you've had, or how do you sort of think about it now? Um, yeah, definitely. I think I've never been, even, um, in my previous experiences, I've always worked in sort of French, um, style cuisines and kitchens. 
Um, so the concept for there is never uh, having 35 ingredients on the plate sort of thing. <laughs> yes. It's always um, the main focus is the sauce, like being French sauce is always a crucial element. Um, so I think sauces, dressings, uh, vinaigrettes, anything that's along those lines is um, definitely forward in all of the dishes that I make or a focus. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but I think restraint, yeah, it just sort of depends on your style and how, because when I think of a dish, I think about first the main flavors that I want to use and then how I'm going to plate it and present it. So it's sort of once you have like your draft and then you want to like keep adding things because you think it's missing something, then maybe you need to go back to the start and rework it and see where you can add those critical aspects at the start of the dish, not at the end, because adding things at the end doesn't necessarily help the dish get to where it should be. I think. How do you work sort of that new dish? Do you guys do that as a, as a team environment, do you work solo and then and then get feedback later? Like, I'm always interested in how chefs evolve new <laughs> dishes. How do you go about it yourself? Um, for me, it's more like I have one thing that I want to use or something cool that I've seen out there, and I'm like, okay, I need to do something with this. I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get there yet, but I know I want to use this. So I'm like, okay. So then I backtrack it. I kind of research, okay, what, is it, what, is, what does it taste like? I usually play around with it, um, cook it a few different ways. And then I feel I don't usually brainstorm when I'm trying to come up with a dish myself because mm. then I think your idea gets a little bit lost. Um, I think I brainstorm with my team once I have like two or three core ideas then I'm like, okay, um, I really want to work with this ingredient. What do you guys think? Or have you used it before? And then we sort of all taste it and go from there. But I think we don't usually, I don't know a lot of chefs that brainstorm as a group on a dish. And then, because it would just get confusing. And <laughs> then you have to be like, you know, aware of other people's idea and making sure that they're heard or... Um, but I encourage a lot of my teams to experiment with um, new ingredients that I'm working with as well. It's not just um, I make sure to bring them along and have them play around with it and see what they think. Because sometimes their idea is just better than mine if, you know, <laughs> if not just as good. So <laughs> That's awesome. Um I feel like I feel like Queensland and the and the more people I speak to Queensland, obviously I, I used to live there as well, which was um, a really great time in my life. But I feel like the Queensland hospitality scene is is really having a moment at the moment. I feel like a lot of brands from down south who I'm talking to from Victoria and New South Wales are thinking about developing a new uh, a new restaurant, uh, a new cafe, a new bar in Queensland, whether that be Brisbane, Gold Coast, Sunshine Coast or up as far north as Cairns. Like, do you have any idea sort of why that's happening right now? Um, yeah, I think definitely Queensland in the last probably 10 to 15 years has um, definitely <laughs> jumped leaps and bounds to where it was. <laughs> um, 
I think it's happening, obviously, with the whole COVID period that um, we've just had. I think it was a turning point in the industry and for the hospitality um, group overall, I think, to realize, okay, like it's not sustainable to keep going the way we were going. Um, so I think it was a reset button for everyone. On There were some very good aspects that came out of it and unfortunately some um, not so great as well. Um, and I think more getting a better balance of your personal life and your work life was the turning point for the industry and realizing that working those crazy hours and putting that sort of pressure on not only your mental health, but your physical health is just not healthy. So I think Queensland being the great state that we are and it was, you know, growing and there's all these amazing projects happening around was definitely everyone was like, okay, well, like, whether things were working or not in their current situation, they were like, let's, you know, take a step back because we had a lot of time <laughs> during that COVID phase <laughs> and maybe reassessing um, like where, what's going to be the next step. And Queensland has definitely taken that next step in the right direction. A lot of, um, I think the food scene has changed. People are more, um, into their food and they're more adventurous in the way they're eating. Um, they want to try new things and they want to support um, a great restaurant that they see is doing amazing things. So I think that's definitely been a game changer for Queensland, Gold Coast, Brisbane, uh, even, and even up north. Because mm. um, I think there was always that in the whole Sydney and Melbourne scene. It was very much like a community, a strong uh, food scene, whereas Queensland was never quite there. Um, but since we've had some game changers come up, it's been great. Um, and I think there's still leaps and bounds that it's going through, um, definitely. Awesome. Can I can I ask how you sort of balance your time and everything that you love to do and obviously, you know, managing, you know, um, a, a great team of chefs at, at Star, like how are you making sure that you're – balancing your time, going and doing these um, site visits, learning more, evolving dishes, but still, you know, uh, still working on shift and, and making sure you're not overwhelmed. Like you're, you're an amazing leader in, in the hospitality industry. Like how are you going about it? Um, yeah, I think that's definitely everyone's challenge, whether um, they're working for big corporate or a little smaller restaurant Um I think for me, I, and it's a never ending process of balance. I mean, I don't know that I have it down path just yet, but I think I'm on the right way. Um, I find that definitely on days off and time off is trying your best not to check work emails and, worry about what's happening at work. I think if you can't switch off your mind on uh, realizing that work is going to be fine, whether you're there or not is a pivotal thing because if you're worried that it's going to all crumble when you're not there, then probably you're not, you haven't been done your job as a leader and you haven't trained the team to where they should be um, for that not to happen. So mm -hmm. I think that's the first flag that you should reassess yourself and your, um, 
management style or the process that you have done. Um, but I think I try and do, like, I love to do things that are just going to be, you know, maybe like out of the blue and going to like small dinners or new restaurants and just kind of understanding what the industry is doing and what is out there, I think is a key thing to want continue to grow as a chef and just for some downtime. And people always ask me like, Oh, since you're a chef, you know, when you go to a restaurant, are you like judgy on what they're doing or the food? And I'm like, no, because then it's not enjoyable for me at all. <laughs> like if I'm there in my head, like thinking, oh, it could have been this much better then it's not pleasant for my guests that are there and for my frame of mind, because I just go some are better than others, of course, but like, it's fine. You go for the time that you go enjoy the people you're with, the time, you enjoy the food. And, you know, I don't think it's about criticizing or having comments on the experience at all because everyone, you don't know everyone's challenges. And, you know, being in the industry, you know clearly that some days you're having gray days and some days it's much more challenging. So, mm, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I think definitely a combination of doing... Um, things for me and that's going to help me and grow as a chef and still being on the pulse of what's out there is a good way that I balance um, and do events and give my time back to where I feel would be beneficial for whatever activity I'm doing. Mm. There's, a, there's a couple of questions I want to leave you with. One is what kind of legacy are you wanting to leave the hospitality industry with? Obviously doing such amazing work in Queensland and obviously nationally as well, um, Carolyn. Like how, how, are you, how are you thinking about the legacy you want to leave the industry? Um, <clears throat> good question. I think at the end of the day, you're only as good as your last dish you've cooked, right? So <laughs> it's like you can't lay, you can't, stay in your comfortable box in today's industry. You have to continue to evolve and develop your personal self, whether it's, you know, through leadership, whether it's through your cooking skills um, or the time you dedicate to the next generations of chefs, I think. And that's what I keep in mind when I'm thinking of what I want to leave next. It's like I want to make sure the, ne the next generation of chefs understand the importance it is to build a brigade and the connection that you have as a brigade in the kitchen and then what is the food that you're cooking and making sure you're using the best ingredient possible you can for that venue that you're in um and it's just making the right decisions making the decisions that you feel are correct i mean you're going to be in situations and working with like restaurants and venues that you probably feel is not what's best for you. And sometimes it's good to do that short term, but in the long term, as long as you know where you're going, like if it's a stepping block to your next phase, then I think it's really important. Um, so I think it's constant learning and being aware of first what, like what's happening around you and the like your brigade and your team and society where it's at and the tone that's out there and then how you can 
portray your best self to help them and um, share your knowledge because I think it's so important to share your knowledge with chefs and young chefs, old chefs, wherever you are in your path. Like there's always, food always brings people together in all aspects of life. So I think I'm very fortunate to work in this industry for this long and to have amazing experiences, whether, you know, like it's at a Michelin restaurant or at a food truck, like there's always something that you're going to have out of that. It doesn't have to always be at the top. It can be, you know, in the small, um, on the small scale. So I think legacy wise is, I think educating and spending a lot of time with young chefs is one of my passions and I love to do that. And I think it's really important because that's, When I entered the industry, that's what my chefs were doing. They were spending the time and they're sharing their knowledge. And I think that really shapes you to be, to determine if you're how, what kind of a chef you're going to be in the industry. Like, so I think that was something early on that I was like, okay, I need to make sure that in my path, I do that. Obviously, sometimes that's very challenging <laughs> because you have to be very patient and, Some people maybe should not be in the industry, but you still have to give your best and maybe coach them in the right way and um, try and guide them towards the direction that they want to go out without enforcing your thoughts or your ideas and just letting them kind of develop their own persona and um, style. How do you how do you think we can get? more new chefs in, into the industry. If we think back probably when when we probably both started, um, I think I'm probably a bit older mm -hmm. than you, but, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, doing 70, 80 hours a week was a rite of passage, right? It's mm -hmm. very, Absolutely. very it's very very different now, which is a great thing. Um, but a young chef's coming through, you know, wanting to obviously do 40 hours and, and maybe do some extra training if they want to um, – move quicker through the industry, but it's very, very different in the last sort of 20 years. Like mm -hmm. how do you think we actually um, can get new chefs on board to make sure we have this balance of work life, mental health, um, but still getting great skills um, and an environment for them to work in? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, I think the hours worked for a chef today compared to 20 years is drastically different. <laughs> um, and I think the kitchen environment is as polar opposite as it was because um, first the kitchen culture is very different. Um, and the old school way definitely, I mean, created some amazing chefs and stories, but in today's world is not quite um, accepted or even healthy in mm. any way, shape or form. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I think having that balance and working, you know, 40 hours and making sure those 40 hours are productive is a key thing because at the end of the day, everyone still, you still have to get through service. You still have to get through all your prep. Like you have a task to do. So it can always be, you know, a play field in the kitchen. Like you can't always be experimenting and <laughs> having these great days. But I think if you having an organization and like being a little bit more organized on your personal plan of like, okay, this is what I want to achieve in this month or having clear goals is going to help you get there. 
um, and even for myself, like I, I'm a very organized and tend to be a little bit OCD on <laughs> my kitchens and my time. So for me, it's really important to have a clear idea on what my week is going to look like and then what is going to be my heavier days and what are going to be my low days where I can, you know, spend a little bit more time with my chefs and kind of bounce ideas and experiment and do a bit of playing around. So I think a lot of um, today's chefs or the next generation of chefs, I think, are maybe have a hard time balancing that and they, like, especially I see it with the young apprentices. They were like, I don't have time to like train to do my work and then go to tape. And I'm like, okay, well, if you break it down and have it on black and white, first of all, so they can see it and have a plan, then it's a little bit easier and it doesn't seem as a mountain of things to happen. So I think that would be the first thing is breaking it down and having a plan on where you want to go and writing it down because sometimes if you think about it in your head you're like oh my god I have like 20 things I need to do of course you're going to feel overwhelmed and it's going to stress you out and anxiety and all those um, things are going to pop out and it's going to be challenging but if you make lists and have it in front of you then you're like okay well these you know five things can be done easier or quicker than others so I think um yeah, I mean, 40 hours sometimes is definitely challenging. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it's it sort of feels like it's not possible even <laughs> for me. But it's about making sure you're giving the energy when needed and kind of, <laughs> yeah, it's still a never-ending process. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's a big change, right? Like that's amazing feedback. Um and amazing advice you've just given because one of the biggest things um, one of the one of the biggest things in hospitality is about change, right? And we have to change and evolve, obviously, menus and how we how we handle customers and 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 those kind of things. But you know, if we're not if we're not changing the way that we're working, if we're not evolving, then we're going to continue to lose skills out of the industry, and 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 it's going to be harder and harder to run the hospitality mm-hmm. the hospitality business, right? So that's amazing advice you've just given there. I think. Yeah, definitely. Because I think if you as a leader, you don't, if you don't know where you're going as a leader, it's impossible to get your team there. It's, you're going to be chaotic. It's going to be very rough and they're not going to, one, want to follow you or work for you. And two, they're going to be just stressed out and be like, no, this is not the industry for me. Like, and all that can stem from the leader that they have. So I think, it's super important to always make sure that you're self-conscious on how people are perceiving you and how you're presenting yourself, whether it's um, in the work environment, outside of the work, and making sure you explain like your path to your team. Because if they don't know where they're going, then it's, you're not going to get there. Because at the end of the day, they're doing most of the work for you. Like It's not a solo thing like kitchens are brigades kitchens are like camaraderie it's not just you you can't get there on your own so i think if you're organized and clear in your thought process and you pass that on to your team then it's a much easier road and they'll enjoy it more they'll um get more out of it than if it was chaotic 
So, <laughs> I mean, I've worked with chefs that are chaotic and it was very rough and <laughs> I didn't really enjoy that. <laughs> um, so I think I made notes of like, okay, this is not the type of leader that I want to be. And I'm not saying like I was perfect in my leadership style at all. It's, I've had some rough days and I mean, it's always a learning curve, but I think if you're able to reassess and regroup, because if you're not clear in your thoughts, you can't get anywhere. You can't do menu development. You can't do experimenting. You can't like produce as you're required in an establishment and get you know those I's and T's dotted off at the end of the month. So I mean, <laughs> there's definitely expectations. <laughs> Amazing advice. I hope people's taking some notes after after those two last questions for sure. <laughs> um, Carolyn, last question I sort of want to leave you with is how were you thinking about, you know, the star group of venues that you look after and, and your team moving forward? Like, what are you excited about over the next sort of 12 months in the group? Um, so I think being at the star, um, the sort of next golden child that is in development is the Queen's Wharf in Brisbane, um, which is due to open, I believe, in April or it's they've it's moving very fast. <laughs> and I think that's going to be a really amazing um, concept and vision that the group has developed and it's been in the works, I think, since way before I've been there, obviously. But I've heard about this. I've seen the <laughs> changings and all of that. And now to see it being almost there is quite exciting. Um, it's obviously going to be a huge thing for the Brisbane scene. And I think really putting Queensland on the map for the concept that is being developed and how it's going to be a whole village and how it's going to have so many amazing restaurants, boutiques, um, and experiences for um, everyone. I think that's a great thing to be part of this group that's getting there and being part of the star and all the opportunities that are going to, that are here already that, um, and the ones that are going to come in the very short future. So I think that's <laughs> amazing, um, amazing project. Amazing. That I'm having. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I wish you the best of luck for that. That's going to be a big thing, but, um, but an exciting journey, no doubt. And I thank you even more for your time today, like to, for um, everyone listening to listen to such great advice from someone who is an absolute visionary in our industry. I just really appreciate your time um what's the best way that people can contact you and and uh and have a bit more of a chat with you because i'm sure there's a lot of people who are going to want to reach out <laughs> awesome yes thank you so much for having me it was a great um i've listened to all of your podcasts and there are really some amazing talents on there so um it's definitely awesome um yeah, they can reach me on my Instagram or um, send me a message and I'll send them my email and definitely get in contact with that um, through those portals. Um, yeah, I would say that's the best way. Perfect. As always, linked up in the show notes of this podcast, Carolyn Helmy, thanks so much for your time. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sean. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Principle of Hospitality. I know you really enjoyed that particular episode. 
please reach out to Carolyn. She's an amazing talent in our industry, an amazing visionary, and doing fantastic things in the Queensland hospitality scene. Hope you enjoyed that podcast. And until next time, stay well, everyone. Now, if you feel like you can never get on top of your back of house ops, you'll want to hear about our sponsor for this season, Loaded. Loaded's hospitality management software has changed the game for hospitality performance in New Zealand, and they've just arrived in Australia to help you do the same. Their everything in one place platform helps you master your reporting inventory, simplify your recipe and menu management, reduce your cogs, and become an epic central hub that immediately puts you in control. I've seen Loaded's impact firsthand, and if you're running a bar, pub, restaurant or cafe, you need to reach out to their team. Check them out at loadedhub.com.